Welcome. I'm Lauren Rosen, licensed marriage and family therapist. And I'm Kelly Frankie, licensed marriage and family therapist. And this is Purely OCD. Kelly and I are OCD specialists who happen to also be in recovery from OCD ourselves. Each week we meet to talk about all things OCD, one topic at a time. You may notice we try to bring a little levity and humor to our discussion around this deeply painful disorder, as this has been a very powerful tool for our own recovery as well as our clients. We tend to cover obsessions, compulsions, and exposures. There's also a Q&A at the end. If you would like, you can join us in the future. We meet on Mondays at 12.30 Pacific time on Instagram Live. And if you do find this podcast helpful, please leave us a review so we can gain more visibility to reach more people like yourself and help spread awareness of what it's like to live with OCD. Quick reminder, this is not intended as therapy or as a replacement for therapy. This is for educational purposes only. So without further ado, here is this week's episode. My goodness, I have a frog in my throat. Kelly, you're not supposed to swallow frogs. How many times do I have to tell you this? You know, sometimes I just indulge myself. I know. It's hard. It's hard sometimes to to resist. What would happen if it was like a dart frog? Poisonous. Oh, oh, wow. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't be talking for very long. Probably wouldn't be talking. You wouldn't be probably awake for very long. Um, Yeah. Welcome to this week's episode of OCD, everybody. Where we talk about swallowing poisonous frogs mm-hmm. and the like. So we like uh, on a regular basis. Oh well, obviously that's that's primarily what we talk about. OCD is a side note. Yeah, um, yeah. we had a, a conference this weekend. Yes, we yes. did. Well, we didn't. We we joined in on a conference we, this weekend. I should say. <laughs> right, we participated in it. We spoke yeah. at it. And it was great. It was the IOCDF's International Virtual Conference. Mm-hmm. And that's the wrap for the year. Yeah. No, we're done with conferences. We're that's done. weird. For now. Don't worry. Submissions yeah. are coming up, I'm sure, in February. <laughs> for for a, a next round of conferences. Yeah. It's always so great to get to participate um, in them, though. And it to is. be a part of the community. Um, to see everyone rally together. So. Thanks to IOCDF for another stellar conference. Yeah. Thank you to all of you if you yes. joined. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy the, the Q&A where we get to interact with people and um, put faces to names and yeah. answer questions. So Definitely. But um, this week's episode is going to be about how we maintain optimism in recovery. Yes. And this is what we presented on one of our presentations over the weekend, um, but with our dear friend, Kevin Foss. And yeah, it was, it inspired us to talk about it further today. Yep. And such an important topic in the recovery process. I think uh, a lot of people seemed to be um, happy that it was being talked about this weekend because it's hard to maintain optimism when you're mm-hmm when you're doing battle with OCD. It is, it is. So we want to preface this by saying we need to start with setting expectations of recovery. And I think like Lauren and I had talked about this before coming on and obviously when we were creating the presentation, but I think a lot of issues come up when people think, 
oh, well, my recovery should look like A, but really it's B, what's wrong with me? And why isn't it going faster? And why is it not like the person I read on Instagram's story? Yeah, I remember talking to Kevin about it too. I don't know if you were on this phone call, but he said something like, uh, you know, it's sort of like the difference between the nail, like the, the, as it's done on Pinterest and then your attempt at it where it's like nailed it, except for you didn't nail it. Um, <laughs> that's the discrepancy, right? Between yeah. it. sometimes it's what it, the experience is like. Right. And I always think of the happiness trap is the perfect example of this is that gap between expectation and where you're at. So step one, have realistic expectations. And I think let's set them right now. What do you think, Lauren? I think we should. I think that's an excellent call. So first, your anxiety isn't. Which one first? Okay. Sorry. No. Yeah. You you go first and then I'll go next. No, no. You were already saying it. Please. I have the dart frog in my throat anyway. It's okay. I think, well, I think the two things we were saying were basically part and parcel of one another anyway, right? It's like, you're going to have thoughts, period. So long as you're alive, this thing is going to keep churning them out and some of them you're going to like and some of them you're not. So It doesn't matter if you have OCD or otherwise having the expectation that they will somehow magically evaporate, especially the ones that you don't want is unrealistic and is going to set you up to experience yourself as a failure. Right. Even though it's not a failing on your part. Right. Popcorn, Kushball, Kelly. Right. It's really that. It's that. And I think when people come in and they're like, well, my anxiety isn't getting better. I'm not reducing my anxiety, which is the the most common one. And we say, well, that's not the goal of treatment. The goal of treatment is to learn how to live with anxiety. Yep. I wish we could take our anxiety away or at least 95% of it, but Unfortunately, that's not the case. Um, maybe one day they'll come up with like a headset that you can put on your head. Oh, and I they'll like be this. like, beep, boop, boop, boop. My psychiatrist told me this months ago. He said that there's going to be a headset. He's like, wouldn't it be great <laughs> if one day it always turns into like these theoretical conversations? But, anyways, Love that it. you put like a headset on, like a, you know, And then the brains, like they do like a scan and they're like, oh, your brain is deficit these vitamins and you need this type of medication and this type of diet. And then here's your therapist and have a good day. That sounds great. I was like, Dr. S, don't tease me like that, buddy. (laughs) I want the helmet. I want it. So anyways, boop. boop, boop. Until then. Yes. We have to accept that we have anxiety. We have intrusive thoughts. Do not measure your recovery based on your frequency of thoughts, the type of thoughts you're having, or um, anxiety the, levels. Yeah, like the intensity of the anxiety and the, yeah. 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 It's interesting, too, just to piggyback on that a little bit because there's a great episode of Invisibilia. I think it's Invisibilia anyway. It's another podcast uh, on NPR. Yep. Um, It's a great podcast. 
And on it, they talk about this woman who has a disease uh, that actually calcifies the amygdala, which is, as Kelly and I know, but for those watching and don't know, part of the brain that is largely responsible for our fear response. And she didn't feel any fear, which ended up being problem. <laughs> hugely problematic for her, right? Like, actually, it was very interesting on the podcast. They couldn't release her name because it put her, it would put her in danger and at risk of being taken advantage of by other people because she just had no gauge yeah. for man. Yeah. Like none. So we, we think of fear as this really bad thing because for those of us who have overactive fear centers, it does tend to become rather cumbersome, especially when you're not trained in how to deal with it. But the reality is that, that we don't want to get rid of our fear. Not really. Right. And, you know, even when folks come in and there's, they say, well, I, I know I, sh I don't want to get, I know that's not the goal. Like they'll come in saying that I'm like, great, great start. <laughs> but I'm like, yes, <laughs> but, but I would like that my thoughts were less frequent and that my anxiety was a little less. And I'm like, well, this is what we've done so far. And here are the tools. And I know that's frustrating, but to this day, and I've been in therapy for many, many years, I still feel intense anxiety. Yes. I yes. feel it, man. Yeah. Same. And I yes. have to just move through it. Some, sometimes it'll catch me, but, um, you know, it's a very harrowing experience to live with anxiety. And it is. we cannot take that away from you guys. No. And as somebody who also lived for many years trying to find a solution, I, I can say that it's, I would not recommend going down that <laughs> rabbit hole. It's like I, I, having well, lived both lives, right? I think you and I both can speak to this is like, on the one hand, I, you know, have lived trying to fight it and trying to fix it and trying to, to get rid of anxiety and the thoughts. Um, and then I, the other hand, I learned how to accept them, how to live with them, how to befriend them. And of those two experiences, I can say undoubtedly that the latter is far superior, like would, would choose it 10 out of 10 times. Yeah. So, you know, it's not ideal, but nothing in life is, mm -mm. um, right. Even the thing that we all purport to want, which is no anxiety is an ideal. So having those expectations going into treatment is super important in maintaining optimism again, because if, if you think otherwise, you're going to start beating up on yourself for doing it wrong when right. you're not doing anything wrong. You're just being a human. Right. Exactly. Friend. Exactly. Yeah. So um, al allowing for humanness part one. <laughs> yes. Very important. Um, the other one that we talked about or you talked about was self-compassion. Yeah, I think we, yeah, we, we, you and I both touched on that, I think, in the presentation, which obviously we both are big proponents of that. Um, do we want to do a quick breakdown of, of the components for people watching? I mean, I know. Love we, thyself. <laughs> to thine own self, give love. <laughs> um, yeah. Which easier said than done. And we have a whole, um, I think we have a two-part two part episode yeah. on self-compassion. So if you yeah. want to know in more detail that, but really just in a nutshell, when we're talking about 
why don't we talk about like when reframing it in this context or using it in this context of how do I maintain the optimism? Right. So let's say that you've just been triggered and you did a compulsion, which uh, back to what we were just talking about, we gauge recovery based on, you know, how often you're doing compulsions and how much they're detracting from your life, really. So let's say that you have done something that you're like, nah, that wasn't really a recovery oriented choice in the aftermath. You might start to want to feel really pessimistic and then you're going to want to turn to self-compassion. How would we do Like, what would be the first step in the self-compassion process? We would be, we would notice I'm, I'm noticing I'm feeling X. I'm feeling anxious. Mm. I'm feeling this urge to want to compulse. Or if you've already done the compulsion and you're feeling like down on yourself where you might right. even say like, I'm feeling really disappointed. I'm feeling uh, disappointed. I'm feeling like hopeless. Like what's the point of all this? Yeah. I'm frustrated. Frustrated. Too. Yeah. Frustrated that I still have to deal with this intrusive thought too. Yes. All of it. All of it. So acknowledge the feeling. So you not acknowledge the feeling mindfully. So in that non-judgmental way. Like, oh, look, I'm, I'm feeling all of those things, disappointment, frustration, sadness, et cetera. And then you tap into your common humanity. You say, I bet a lot of people who have OCD, who are working on it, who then do a compulsion and realize it after the fact, feel disappointed or frustrated Absolutely. or sad. Yeah. Which Not can, alone. can confirm. <laughs> um, You're looking at them. Yeah. And then from there, we we pivot toward self-kindness. Mm-hmm. I'm going to invite myself maybe to do a little exposure here because I always say to my clients is like, it's okay if you did a compulsion, like you can go back, let's do an exposure. It's not yeah. all lost, right? Nope. Totally. Um, let's contaminate I mean, ourselves. Yeah. I'm going to invite myself to do a little ERP. And something we did clarify over the weekend, which is self-compassion really is doing exposures is actually self-compassion in a lot of ways. hundred percent. It's the, the most compassionate thing you can do for yourself if you have OCD. And at the same time, you can do that in a compassionate way. So you can say, this is hard. Yep. And this is where I think the self-kindness piece comes in. It's like, I see that this is really hard. And I'm going to hold your hand. I know that's a weird thing to say yourself, say to yourself, but I do. Mm-hmm. I say that to myself yeah. on the reg, like, or I like, I'm I got, here. I got you right. Like yeah. I'm here. It's going to, I'm going to walk with you through this. We're going right. to, we're going to go get through this together. Um, that's self-kindness. And, and as we talked about this weekend, it's got nothing to do with reassurance. It's Mm-mm. completely devoid of, we're not trying to talk ourselves out of, feeling fear. It's not like everything's going to be okay. It's just whatever happens, I'm holding myself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do a little exposure here and, and to say, and after that, I'm going to have some popcorn and watch a movie. Yeah. What do you think about that? Bam. You know, I love popcorn. We both do. <laughs> it's a thing. Um, and a movie. So yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Bow show. So there it is. Self-compassion. Self-compassion. Big deal. Big deal in this realm. So, so far we've covered 
self-compassion. We've, um, you know, covered expectations around therapy. One of the things that, um, that I talked about in my part of the presentation a lot was this idea of how we're behaving mentally. Right. And so while we can't control our feelings, as we said before, and as much as we might try, we can control how we respond to those feelings and, and to the thoughts that often bring up the feelings. And so if you respond to a thought, like I'm really disappointed in myself and the feelings of disappointment with a, you know, 10 hour session of berating yourself for the choice that you made, um, which is like the verbal mental lashing that you're doing in your mind. I suck. I can't believe I never get this right. I'm never going to be better. Right. All of that. That is, that is building pessimism. That is Mm -hmm. building the opposite of optimism. So if you're doing that, dropping it like it's hot, just like we would a compulsion becomes muy importante. Muy importante. Yes. No doubt about it. No bad about it. So yeah. I mean, any other thoughts on that part of the deal? No. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest ones is really being the mindful observer of your own, of your mindful observer. Yeah. Non-judgmental observer of your own mind. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Both of those work, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And also just a little caveat with what we were saying with self-compassion piece. And if you do say, okay, I'm going to invite myself to do exposures. Sometimes it's just a really hard day too. And sometimes you can start again tomorrow. So just, I think that oftentimes people, especially on social media, they hear what we're saying or they read what other people are saying and then they take it literally. It's like, well, I didn't do that. Does that mean? So just remember, it's like, be gentle, hold loosely, stop pulling on the the rope. Let drop it, drop the rope. Yeah. That's such a good point, especially because like our, everyone's growth edge is a little bit different. Yep. Right. right. Some, some people come into treatment and they're like totally dragging their heels with doing any exposures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for that person, I'm probably going to advocate for, Hey, maybe, maybe accountability is important and working on that is important for somebody who's like all gung ho. And the, these are obviously two extremes. extremes and every, yeah. There are lots of iterations in the middle, but the other person who's like jumping on the exposures and kind of like really hard on themselves if they don't do it, then, then saying like, Hey, you know, nobody's perfect is real is also really important. So it's not either, or it's, it's some sweet spot in between. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, should we talk about restructuring thoughts maybe? Sure. Yes. Lightly. Lightly, (laughs) a little, a little reframe. Can I get a reframe? Can I, um, should we caveat first around compulsivity? Oh, right. So the thing about restructuring your thoughts, it can be very compulsive if it's not done appropriately. So if we, I don't know what examples we used in our presentation. Like I had it on mute the whole time because I was trying to listen and do chat and it's very overwhelming. Yes. Um, but the idea is that 
if you are not familiar with restructuring your thoughts or CBT, what we're doing is we're not trying to be the cheerleader. We're not trying to say like, everything's going to be okay. Like, you know, like this is just OCD. No, that's reassurance giving. It's more around, let's throw me a cognitive distortion. Um, Everyone else is doing so much better. Do you want me to tell you a cognitive distortion or sorry? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll I'll finish the sentence. I'll tell you what kind of distortion we're we're okay. dealing with. Okay. Everybody else is doing so much better than me. I see it all over Instagram and everyone's great and I'm not, which could Ooh. be yeah, which happens. Um happens and a lot. Happens a lot. And so what we're seeing at play, there are a couple of different cognitive distortions, which are like the lenses through which we're viewing the world, um, mm-hmm. which a la Dr. Jonathan Grayson, you know, like sometimes reviewing the world through shit colored glasses. <laughs> we at least need oh to know God, that we're wearing so those suckers. You know what I mean? Um, it's just his, his delivery of it is so dry too. No yeah. smile. It's no, brilliant. Just shit colored glasses. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that would be the, the lenses through which I'm viewing the world, which I can kind of deduce looking backwards, right? I can say like, okay, well, what's off about that thought? Well, I'm comparing myself, my insides to somebody else's outsides. I've absolutely no idea what's actually going on inside of them because I'm seeing their Instagram highlights real and I'm comparing myself to that. Um, There's also a little bit of mind reading there. Like, oh, I know how everybody's feeling because I see them talking. Like I'm watching Kelly and Lauren talk right now. I know how they're feeling or what they're thinking, which- And they laugh and smile and joke and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah. So everything must be good. And if we take those thoughts at face value, we're going to be, yeah, really sad. That's not to say, to Kelly's point, though, that we're trying to convince ourselves that Lauren and Kelly are not happy. We're Mm -hmm. saying, or that, or that they're not in a better spot than we are. It's just, okay. Middle path. Middle path, right? Like, okay. So I don't read minds. I'm assuming nobody out there reads minds. Or we should call the CIA or maybe go to Vegas. I'm just saying. Yeah. Let us know. I'm, I, I really want to meet, meet the right mind reader. That'd be great. Um, and obviously, like, comparing my experience to somebody else's is always going to have limitations. And we oh, can't, it's like... always the losing battle. Never. 100%. It's like the cardinal sin of mental health never <laughs> compare yourself to other people you will never win you'll never, never win. win you will always lose that is that is the way so well actually so, i have spoken i have spoken <laughs> thank mm-hmm. you for that you're welcome um but no it's really funny actually because i think uh, this is just a quick side note i think people do win sometimes but they don't win overall. It's like we're tra- like the way you get stuck in comparison is that sometimes you get a quick hit of like, yeah, I crushed. Like I'm so much better than everyone else, and that feels like self-aggrandizing for a minute. But yeah. then you're in this paradigm where it's all. Uh, but now it just yeah, now it just takes one story yeah. to see that someone's doing a little better, and now you've cracked and shattered the entire yep. psyche. So. It's so much more <laughs> precarious that way. We really d- do not recommend cardinal sin. Don't do Mm-mm. it. Don't do it. So yeah, looking at the the middle ground of like, yeah, well, I, I can't tell for sure. This is with cognitive restructuring. If we, if we can keep uncertainty in there, I think it's best. So 
I can't be sure what they're thinking or how they're feeling. Right. And there's a little, you know, it's a little bit implied there's catastrophizing, right? Like you're not Mm -hmm. saying it directly, but it's like, and this is bad because blah, 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 blah. Right. It's like, it's not said, but it's implicit. Yes. We want to be careful with that obviously as well. It's like, well, I'm doing my best and I'm staying the course and I'm doing the things that my therapist has asked me to do um, to the best of my ability. And, you know, I, I'm going to just be here with myself and I'm going to try to stay focused on that and not worry about other people's lives. Yeah. I'm going to stay out of that. Not and it's story. so subjective. Like everyone's stories and their, the way they, explain their recovery and what it looks like. So you don't know when they say, oh yeah, I don't have anxiety. Are they really not having anxiety or like, do they have a calcified amygdala or what's going on? (laughs) Is there some calcification going on in there? (laughs) Do we need to send you to the doctor? (laughs) No, it's, it's true. And every, like, I've often thought my husband and I talk a lot about this thought experiment of how cool it would be if you could just like transplant into somebody else's brain for like an hour just to see what the experience is like. Um, because we don't know, right. I, I, I think my husband and I have very different experiences of the world, but we could actually be having very similar ones and just relating to them differently. We don't know. That's so true. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like when you go to the doctor's office and they say, what's your pain level? Right. And it could be the same exact injury, literally the exact injury, exact same spot, broke ankle, same age, same gender, um, same exact location. Someone's reporting a 10 and the other person's reporting a five. Right. Right. So it's so subjective, people. Just stay away from that world of reading minds and comparing Mm -mm. no wins no wins so anyway if if you are interested in learning more about cognitive distortions a quick google search will come uh, lead you to many different kinds (laughs) um and you can learn more about them but i think the the highlights are if you can watch when your mind is is feeding you stories that are are making you feel strong emotions, you might want to check those out and see whether or not maybe you're filtering the information from the outside world through these lenses that are making it look a very specific way, just so that you can maybe hold those thoughts with a little bit more flexibility. Right. Yeah. Take the poopy glasses off. Yeah. And stop acting like the world is shit just because you're wearing shit colored glasses. Right. Right. Because that's, and that's ultimately like, it's down to how we behave. So the cognitive restructuring can inform what behavioral choices that we make. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I know we, so we have a few questions and, yeah. um, one other thing that we should mention is values and yes. also just things that are important to us in life. So yeah. Maybe we can wrap it up with that. Yeah, do it. Start us off. So, you know, if I value being somebody who is really playful and a Mm -hmm. fun person as, you know, across the board and my OCD is getting in the way of that, then that's an opportunity to say, oh, 
okay, so I don't get to be me, right? Like I don't get to be the person I want to be because of OCD if I choose this. So it's really getting in line and in touch with who you are and what you want to bring to the table in any circumstance at any given time. And yep. to do it nicely to yourself, add self-compassion because you're not going to hit the nail every time. Mm-hmm. Um, but Nobody to does. really, right. But to really recalibrate, it's a, it's a way to go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to motivate myself by thinking about this stuff is like, if I do this, I don't get to play with my daughter tonight. Right. So mm-hmm. it's saying like, I'm doing this in the name of yes, being the playful mom and joking around with her and being silly. Yep. And not really caring what OCD has to say. So I think yeah. sometimes envisioning that in yourself, I know like positive psychology is really toxic. So we're not going to do that. No. But I'm pretty sure that in sports, they do positive psychology where they visualize them making mm-hmm. the basket and yeah. that's really helpful. So I envision myself like making the basket, but not making the basket. It's yeah. the equivalent of it. Yeah. Doing, doing the hard thing and, yeah. uh, and, and, and doing the thing that you care about. Really. Yeah. yeah. It's like, that's the version of me that I'm losing by not doing this. And when I'm staring at a really hard exposure, like, oh, you're just going to throw this thing away? Like this is, you're going to do that, really? It's the scariest thing in the world. Like let's yeah. just pretend this clip is, this, I'm supposed to throw this away. This is my yeah. exposure. Yeah. Okay. It, wow, that clip, it's very important. Rawr. Um, and it's a 10 out of 10 on my list. And if I go, why in the, would I ever throw this away? That's insane. This is like the scariest shit I've ever done. And then you think about the person you want to be and that it's this clip that's getting in the way. You go, okay, goodbye. Yeah. To you. Bye. And whew, wow, that yeah. was a lot of anxiety. Oh, right. Okay. There right. it is. There it is. No, that's so right. And I think in terms of how that, that really informs optimism and recovery too, is that that's empowering. Oh yeah. Recognizing like, no, like you don't get to stop me from being the person that I want to be. You jackass OCD. Like I'm not doing that anymore. That I'm, well, again, we can't really force feelings. We can cultivate feelings through our behaviors or we're likely to cultivate certain feelings by taking certain actions. And, and if you really put your foot down and you say, I'm not, no, I'm not stepping back from this one. Um, that, that that is gonna likely breed optimism over time. Yeah, be like, get it, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there you go. Do, we're silly. We well, that's for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> Questions. I know yes. we're running out of time. Okay. Yeah. Um. So this person asks, ROCD took wedding season joy mm-hmm. how to be optimistic when OCD won't and that OCD won't ruin more big life feel things mm. um so I'm not sure if this person is getting married 
It, so, it sort of sounds like maybe they did get married and then mm. it, it like OCD, like in the, in the way that they're talking about, like took that away from them. Mm. Um, I have thoughts. I do it. Uh, I think having uh, this kind of comes back to expectations in many ways, because if you're walking into any big life experience as someone with OCD and you're thinking, I want that to go away. And if that doesn't go away, then the life experience is going to be ruined that we're in a lot of trouble. And so I, you know, obviously we don't know what tomorrow brings. We don't know what comes down, what's coming down the pike, but we can be reasonably sure that anxiety and upsetting thoughts are a part of that. And so if you go into your life knowing that that's part of it and making space for that part of it, then it's not going to crowd out the, the experience and, and enjoying pieces of the experience, right? Like there's a book that Kelly gave me along or recommended to me, I think a long time ago called no mud, no Lotus by Thich Nhat Hanh. And in it, I like, I go to this passage all the time. So I'm going to paraphrase, but he says something like, some people think that there can be no happy there there can be no happiness when there is sadness right mm. but that is incorrect right like you have like in order for happiness to be there sadness must be there but we have to make space for both is essentially what he's saying it's like and if we allow for sadness then we get to make more room for the happy too yeah so true. we get to tur- turn our perspective toward the parts that we like that's right. Bam. Yeah. So I'm sorry that I, it is very difficult. And there are all these expectations set by our society about what all of these moments in life are supposed to look like. And it's tough. Yeah. A lot of the questions I think we did answer actually. Okay. Um, but uh, there's one question they asked about why positive psychology is toxic. They thought this was an interesting comment that I said. Um, and thank you both. So, hmm. Hmm. well, and I, I don't think positive, like the, the actual branch of, of no psychology, yeah. like positive I psychology. <laughs> oh, you lost. Yes. What's happening? I don't know. You're good. Oh dear. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, th- but I do think that there's the whole toxic positivity thing, which is I kind of, what I got you were talking about. And I was talking about the secret, which is like, a, you know, extreme version of it is like man thinking that you can manifest by having positive thoughts, you can manifest them from happening. Like if I think right. about having uh, a parking spot in this parking lot, I can envision it and it will happen. No. That right. won't happen. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. it could, no, it, it could, could happen, but, but I don't know if it's, uh, because you thought the thought or, well, and it's dangerous because it's not a problem to think, Oh, I can, I can think about things. I can sort of envision things for the future and work toward them like goals. And in that way, I don't think manif- the idea of manifesting is inherently problematic. No. What I think is problematic is 
you can't, you shouldn't have bad thoughts. And if you have bad thoughts or you catch yourself in bad thoughts, then you're manifesting this bad thing and that's bad. And there's like almost a, like a fear factor to it. Do you know? Yeah. It's not necessarily, um, the best option when it comes to an adjunct for OCD. Yeah. Agreed. (laughs) Yes. No, but no, I have, I, there's a lot of great research actually, and specifically around like sports therapy, um, that it works really well. And really, I think it's part of confidence, which I think we do gain when we do exposures as well Is like, Oh, I just did that. I just did that really hard thing. Just like, you know, when the basketball basketball player makes a three point shot. That's for sure. A very hard thing. I could not do that. I can't, I can't barely make a two point shot. Let me tell you a couple weeks ago, Genevieve and I were playing basketball, her and I, and I was not, I was like, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. I tried every angle. I wouldn't stop. I was like, I have to do this. She's like, mommy, you can do it. Just believe in yourself. Like, I was like, oh, I love you. Now I have to do it. Mm. I did did it. It took about 15 minutes. I'm not kidding. My forearms were killing me. You know what? But you did it. You kept at it. You kept practicing. You had some sore forearms as proof. Yeah. Yeah. The last, that's a lovely story. The last time, (laughs) mine is not as inspiring. The last time I was playing basketball um, was with several, several of our friends, (laughs) um, including Sean Chinook and um, Stuart Ralph (laughs) and a couple of other folks, Kevin, you don't know Kevin, but like a couple of other folks. And, uh, after a while I was so bad, I gave up and I just started trying to sing and rap instead to entertain the group you know and or myself. You went right for the strong point. I like that. That was, that was where I went. So, but you anyway, tried, I did try to try. <laughs> so anyway, so that's yeah. a good way to end this actually is yeah. that like if you, uh, it is about practice. It's about continually showing up time after time. And, and I think, one thing we didn't say, which I think is very important here, is that having a growth mindset and always looking at each each moment is an opportunity to try something new yeah. and that you have the capacity to take the next step and the next step and to, to make strides in the direction that you want to be going. Um, and it's only ever one step at a time. Right. You're going to miss the, the shot more times than not. Yeah, especially if your name rhymes with Morin Mosin. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note. And that note, guys. (laughs) uh, Have a great week and be nice to yourself and please do the hard things. Yeah. Whilst being nice to yourself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Arrivederci. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Just as a reminder, this podcast is not therapy, nor is it intended as a replacement for therapy. If you need further support, we encourage you to seek treatment with a registered professional who specializes in OCD. If you have a moment, we'd love to hear what you think. Feel free to leave us any feedback by reviewing us on your podcast app of choice. You can find past episodes on our website at purelyocd.com. Remember, this podcast is for you. 
So please let us know what you would like to hear. We want to make our message as helpful as it can be. We hope you will join us in the future as we continue our discussion on all things OCD. OCD.